Man, I'm telling you, the minute I said to myself, I want to get into selling retained and executive retained and getting more exclusive, the first step in bringing something to fruition is you have to make your mind up that you're going to do it, that that's what I want to do. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm super excited to be joined today by Jeremy Sizemore. Jeremy is one of the leading IT executive recruiters in North America, and he's been at the top of his field for the past 20 years. Throughout his career, Jeremy has billed over $14 million and specializes in placing IT executives in SAP, ERP, and cybersecurity at all levels, up to and including CIO, CTO, and CISO. Jeremy and his partner founded uh, ASAP Talent Services in 2006, and they've grown to a team of five, billing between one and a half and two million dollars annually. They're based in Houston, and they serve over 75 of the Fortune 500 throughout North America, and they even have clients internationally in Singapore, Germany, and here in the UK. This is Jeremy's second time on the show. Last time was way back in September 2020. That was episode 35, so be sure to check that out. Jeremy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, looking forward to it. Awesome. So the previous time you were on the show is one of our top 10 most popular episodes of all time out of over 150 episodes. Oh, it's great to hear. I... Uh... Don't know why, but I'm honored and uh, it's always good to hear something like that. Well, I'll tell you why, because not only are you super successful, but people loved how specific you were with your advice. You were able to really break things down and explain, because some people are successful. They can't really explain why, right? Um, and gotcha. you were able to really give tangible strategies and techniques. And yeah, people. so many people have told me that's their favorite episode, so... That's awesome. That's great to hear. And thanks for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. So what else is new since we last spoke besides the beard? I've not, I don't think you had that last yeah. time. <laughs> That's your two big things that are different is during the pandemic, somehow I lost my hair because I used to have hair and lost my hair. I went bald and now I have a beard. <laughs> so my wife said what? when I shaved my hair off during the pandemic, uh, she said, well, it's good to have some facial, some hair somewhere. So I grew up here. Fantastic. That was all a happy wife, happy life, yes, right? That so is true. Whatever they want. That is true. <laughs> I like the beard. It suits yeah. you. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Thank you. A little bit different, a little bit yeah, different. Yeah. And so I had to go and change all my images on like LinkedIn, because if I'm going to meet someone for a coffee now, they wouldn't even know what they're looking for if they looked at my old image. So <laughs> Uh, when I went bald and grew a beard, I definitely had to change all my images around. <laughs> Hilarious. Wow. So yeah. as far as like the business structure, the markets or the, the, the way you guys are operating, any significant changes there or? Not majorly. You know, we've had some team changes and uh, brought in a new recruiter out of Detroit, which was super exciting oh, cool. for us. And, uh, you know, sometimes over the course of a two-year period and during the pandemic, you know, we lost some people yeah. and we gained some new ones. And so doing some new onboarding and getting people um, up to speed within your organization. And, and some of them were new new to the recruiting industry. So it's always fun to kind of coach someone new into the business. Well, hey, that's, I know we have other stuff we want to talk about today, but that's another topic is onboarding new recruiters remotely is that is he still is he going to be based in detroit or is he going to relocate to houston 
Yeah, no, she is she? Uh, based out of uh, Detroit yeah. and uh, super excited. Her name's Jasmine Lee. She goes by Jazz. I love the yeah. name. And uh, no, she's great. Uh, she's going to be um, helping me specifically continue to grow our executive retained business. So I'm, I'm really helping her to learn the business of how to get clients and sell retained eg- executive level search. And uh, so it's been going great so far. And she helped place a VP of HR in her first two months with wow. us. So that's exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear more no, about was... that. So yeah. uh, how are you guys finding the market? You know, we're finding that the market uh, is healthy, but that um, maybe a little bit of a slowdown comparative to 2021 and 2022. So, you know, the way I view this market comparative to 08 and 09, because I was obviously, I owned my own business and it was definitely recruiting during that recession that, that we experienced. And um, I don't think that we're in for an across the board, super deep recession that like absolutely, you know, crashes our economy to that degree. However, it, it may be a slower market, just meaning that could be a little bit harder to get as many searches. It might just not all come at us at as easily as it did in 2021 and 2022. Um, so I think that people might be able to do the same revenues and numbers, but only if their mind is right. And if they work a little harder, it may not feel as easy to make the same numbers uh, I don't think uh, in 2023 as, as it might have felt in 2022. So that's how we're seeing the market. Yep. It's not gloom and doom, but it's also just bringing a little bit of a dose of reality that we we may need to um, get our business development hats on. We may have to ramp up our energy and activity levels a little bit more to generate the same revenues or more. Makes total yeah. sense. And you know, yeah. You know, a slowdown relative to 2021 is still pretty good, right? You know, it's like... Um, I think a lot of recruiters <laughs> killed it in 2021 uh, and 2022 yeah. as well. I mean, um, the, 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 some were like, oh, the, you know, and I think, again, that comes back to mental health. If if people were like, oh, my gosh, it's a good market. It's time to get going. They probably did really well. Yes. Um, if people were in their own head... Uh, in terms of thinking that the market wasn't good, you know, oftentimes the results are reflective of whatever it is you think in your own. Yeah, for sure. If you think the market's bad, then it's bad for you. And then if you think, oh my gosh, the the market's moving again, I'm ready to go. Then, uh, you know, whatever you think is probably the reality that you will experience. You know, it's so interesting. I'm a big believer in the sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where if you expect great things, great results, then that's me. You're going to go after it. You're going to, you know, be super creative, tenacious, you know, resilient and just get after it. And then that's going to, that's going to translate into good results, which reinforces your original expectation. And the, the reverse is also true, right? So if you think, oh, things are slowing down, people aren't going to be hiring, then even if you're going through the motions of the same activity levels, as you were before, the qualitatively, the, are you as, you know, uh, are you as creative? Are you as, you know, um, 
Are you having fun with it? Are you building rapport as much on the phone? Are you, you know, making that extra call? And, you know, and if not, then your results aren't going to be as good. And then it just backs up your original expectations. So I think we need to be really careful. Yeah, it's, I think our success is, it's really a science. There, there's a science behind the self-fulfilling prophecy as you, as you were calling it. Um, and I coach springboard diving in the evenings. And that was my earlier background in athletics as I was a diver, right? And it's a sport that's highly technical and it's one that is very mental as well. Um, a lot of folks in the UK can appreciate diving. Tom Daly has, has become really well known in the UK. For sure. And in fact, I'm in good friends with his coach, oh, wow. uh, Jane Figueroa. That's amazing. Uh, she, she moved from Houston to the UK to coach uh, the UK British team. And um, diving, you know, you have to do a lot of mental visualization. And if you are seeing yourself do that dive well, and you see it in your head that that's going to be a perfect dive, and then you go through everything perfectly, and where your focus is, is oftentimes what's going to happen. You know, if you're the kind of person that has a lot of internal dialogue with yourself, oh my gosh, I'm about to crash. I'm going to land on my back. I know this, this is not going to turn out well. It's going to be a train wreck. Then all of a sudden the same, that person that does that, that new dive for the first time, that really hard dive off the 10 meter platform. If you have positive self-talk versus negative has a huge difference on, on your ability to evolve in that sport and um, to stay safe and to actually have good dives. And so I loved in my coaching, I love to bring the things that I, that I bring from that sport and from coaching athletics. I like to bring that into our world of recruitment, right? Because what you think about and what you believe this call will lead to, what you believe today will be for you, will today be a great day or will today just be another bad day? Um, will I have an awesome day of converting clients to working with us? Um, uh, you know, I'm working on a good search. I, I've got these 20 people I'm going after. Um, do I, am I believing that I am going to talk with them and I'm going to convince some of them that my opportunity is awesome? Or am I going into it just thinking probably going to get their voicemail and they're not going to be that interested. And this is just an, you know, it's just a so, so search. Um, and so how you start your day, how you get your brain wired, right? It translates through to the other person on the other side of that phone. They hear the energy, they hear the passion, they hear the confidence. And then all of those things lead to you actually getting business, actually getting people, you know, interested in your opportunities. It leads to your success. And um, even those of us that do really well with this, we sometimes find ourselves in a downward spiral or we find ourselves in a bad place or it's just a bad day or a bad week. The whole key here is, do you allow yourself to stay in that for one day as opposed to weeks? Do you allow yourself to only stay in that for one week as opposed to a month or two? You know, I mean, because we, we have 52 weeks in a year. A lot of us are going to take two or three weeks of vacation. So you have 48 weeks, 49 weeks maybe. And you can't afford to waste two or three or four of those. I mean, uh, you know, if you waste a couple of weeks, uh, that's, that's two or three placements. That's $75,000 that you just took off your billings. And so the sooner you can recognize it and get your mind right. But I would argue that it starts with that. 
you can't get your mind right, nothing else will follow. I, I think it's the absolute critical piece of, uh, of being a big builder. Absolutely agree. A hundred percent. And that's so cool. The diving board analogy and, you know, you, absolutely that, I mean, it looks technically very difficult, but it, you can only imagine, but then you see divers who have the technical skills, but then on one occasion they'll perform flawlessly. And then another occasion they are a little bit off. Right. And so that can only be psychology, right? Uh, it's a extremely mental sport. And, you know, people oftentimes also find they say, okay, let's take diving. For example, you watch it in the Olympics and you see someone doing this uh, reverse three and a half off 10 meter platform. You go, oh my gosh, how could someone get to that point? Well, I think maybe in recruiting, someone might know of some big biller billing a million dollars and they go, I could never do that. You know, how did they get to that point? And so there's similarities in how does someone get from where they are today to where they want to be or where they're aspiring to be or where, where they respect where someone else is, how did they get there? And it's, it's incremental. Uh, diving is very incremental. Um, you know, the person, they first learn to do a front dive and then they learn to do a front flip and then they master the flip before they get the one and a half. And then they master the one and a half before the double you know, and then at different levels, they, they slowly work their way up. They don't just start on 10 meter platforms. Right. right. And so you have to evolve in an incremental way to get to where it is that you want to go, you know? And so there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, interesting parallels uh, in that as well. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't, this is an area I've never really thought about before. That's so cool. You and I were talking just before we went live here recording, and um, you were t talking to me about the concept of of balance. Could you maybe share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm I'm creating a new kind of coaching session in 2023, and I'm just going to kind of simply call it balance. And balance can mean a lot of different things depending on you know how you want to apply that word to our world, right? Recruitment, talent acquisition, uh, building a business, uh, getting clients, getting candidates. And the industry that we're all in, it's high commission sales for most of us. I think it's high commission sales, um, but it's very transactional. We got to close deals to, to make a living. And um, the, the, the key categories that I'm going to talk about in balance are the importance of how we balance personal versus work versus relationships so that I think the danger when we don't have balance is to say, do we burn out? Do we get burnout? Um, a lot of recruiters, you know, when they're eight to 10 plus years in the industry or they're 15 to 20, even they, there's going to be a phase at some point where you say, do I feel burned out? Totally. And that burnout can happen for a couple of different reasons. Um, uh, one famous quote is that if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. You're not growing, you're dying. And so growing, what does that mean? You know, I think growth can mean a lot of different things to different people. Uh, growth can mean that your revenue keeps going up, 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 up. And that's great. But even if people's revenue keeps going up, there's only so many hours in a day that people have. And, and, and okay, you eventually bill a million eventually bill whatever, 2 million. You, you, you don't know anyone else that bills more than you. Let's say that you reach that pinnacle. 
even those people can get burnout because it feels like they're doing the same thing over and over again, or it feels transactional. So they oftentimes have to have career growth also. Can they evolve from being solo to growing a team? Can they evolve from um, just being a recruiter to building a business? Uh, can they evolve um, where at a point where it's not about money or or growing business anymore, but can they give back to the community? You know, maybe people want to get into public speaking. Um, I wanted to over time grow into placing different levels of people. So growing in terms of placing higher level roles and doing things you haven't done before feels like growth, right? So when I was able to finally get into true CIO level search and do retain search and do a public board of director search, I felt growth. And that, that stuff wasn't happening until my 15th year in the business. So that was feeling like growth to me, right? And that's great. Uh, so I think for each person that can be defined differently. Um, but balance, you have to, if you're so focused in one thing, you can get out of balance. And that creates almost like an impossibility to sustain. You can't, uh, you want a career that's sustainable. Can I stay in this career 10 years, 20 years, 25 years? And that's where I think the balance is going to be key um, because you have to have some time off to recharge. You have to be able to vacation. Um, you have to be able to have relationships outside of business. So let's say you have a spouse or a husband or a wife. Um, and I think that's key. So that's one area of balance. Another uh, key area, I think, of, uh, of the balance is self-talk. We were just talking about this, but I had wrote that down as one of the key categories is I think for a lot of people, we need to step back and analyze ourselves and say, how much of my internal dialogue is positive versus negative? And if you find, and a lot of times until you just step back and think about that, you don't actually realize what you're doing. And we need to start to understand, wow. I actually need to get a better frame of mind in the early morning before I get my day started. And I, I've got to get my head right and then everything else will follow, right? I, I'm, it's going to be a great day. I feel really optimistic about today because I have a good plan. You know, I feel like I either have a great candidate to take to market. I have some great searches to work on and I've got some strategies around how I'm going to move the needle today and this week. I'm going to do some things regarding content creation. I'm going to do some things regarding um, my, my digital presence. You know, I'm going to, you know, do some activities around elevating um, my brand in the market. Uh, I'm going to share, you know, whatever it is, but every day I'm going to do these activities, right. That move the needle. And, um, and then certainly the amount of recruiting, the amount of business development that we do and all those things. Um, so one of my favorite quotes, Mark, is, I believe it's Henry Ford uh, that, that said this quote, but he said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, either way, you're right. And, and that is basically what you and I were talking about earlier. Um, you know, and, and it can seem kind of hokey to people to, yeah, that sounds great. Man, I'm telling you, the minute I said to myself, I want to get into selling retained and executive retained and getting more exclusive, I had to, I had to, the first step 
and bringing something to fruition is you have to make your mind up that you're going to do it, that that's what I want to do. And I, I started out in contingency recruiting with MRI. They didn't necessarily teach us retain business. They didn't necessarily teach us how to sell contract staffing either. And those are both things that within my, between year three and year five, I was now starting to implement those things into my business. But I can tell you where it started. It starts with you thinking you're going to do it and saying to yourself, that's something I'm going to do. I want to do, I'm going to do. And that, that's the step one. And then step two, now you put a plan and a, a strategy in place to pull that off. And then you do those action steps. You have to execute that strategy so that you can actually make it happen. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. Hey, Jeremy, can I just uh, reflect on a couple of things you've said? First of all, that was Henry Ford, as far as I know, that <clears throat> that quote is attributed to. And it is so true that your belief has to be there uh, in order for you to achieve something. I used to do a board-breaking exercise at, at workshops where I'd, I'd teach people how to break through boards with their hands, like, uh, like sort of Taekwondo style. And I was working with a company. And <clears throat> so I, I explained the technique and I explained the mindset required. And I mean, the number one thing is you have to 100% commit. If you're tentative or you hold back, it, you're not going to be able to do it, right? Whereas if you absolutely commit and Please. go for it and follow through and move your whole body, like use your whole body, put everything you've got into it. And like the, the kinetic energy will be transferred through the board and it's going gonna, it's gonna to snap. But uh, so I said, who wants to go first? And the sales director was like, oh, I'll go first because he was like, you know, he's the, 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 the uh, you know, the alpha, uh, alpha male in the room. So he came up and he couldn't and he couldn't break it. And of course, I'm I'm shitting myself as the facilitator because I'm like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. Nobody's going to, you know, be able to do this. So but anyway, so he tried a few times and I was like, OK, listen, Ian, you go have a seat. Let's get someone out, give someone else a try. Thank goodness every other single person was able to break the board, including the women in the room. And, you know, people were smaller than this guy now. And I said, Ian, <clears throat> I guess you better, you know, try again. So he came up last <laughs> and he was able to smash the board the second time. 
Now, he obviously didn't get stronger between like the first mm-hmm. attempt and the second attempt. All that happened is he saw so many of his team members able to accomplish it that, you know, it, it was there's no doubt in his mind that he was going to be able to do it. It just shifted his belief uh, and he was able to do it. I love it. I think there's elements of a couple of things in what you just said. You know, one of the elements is um, the you rise to the level of those around you. They say you rise and sink to the level of those around you. If you surround yourself with people that are outstanding, then you likewise will rise up and be outstanding. If you surround yourself from people that have bad habits, then likely you take those on as well. Um, so the power of the peer group and the power of others on our mind, you know, you think about Roger Bannister, the first guy that ran the four minute mile, right? Uh, the minute that, that was thought to be humanly impossible. And then once, uh, once the four minute mile was broken, multiple people did it in, in the same year. Okay. And so that's the power of thought. I mean, there's tons of examples of this out there in the marketplace. Um, back to balance. One more analogy or metaphor that I, I like to bring in is that of the race car driver, right? You know, people, the, the world-class NASCAR or, you know, the professional race car driver, they say that where your focus is, is where you'll go. And so professional race car drivers, they teach them to look at the inside part of the track and they teach them to look at where they're going. And they say that, if you take someone as a driver and put them in that race car and if they look if they look at the wall that they don't want to hit what do you think happens drive into the wall that's a, they drive yeah, right yeah. into the wall right <laughs> they crash and it could be that they're thinking oh crap i'm going to crash i'm going to crash i'm going to crash so they're thinking negative thoughts right. so they crash right it it could be uh, that it's just where they're looking is where they go you can kind of look at that in some different ways but uh, this is a known fact, yeah. like uh, race car drivers, they teach them to look at the inside part of the track and to look at where you're going. And th- <laughs> where I want to bring that back to balance is that if we look at our our desk and what our daily and weekly and monthly activities look like, is if 100% of our activities are around mostly candidate recruitment, then we are extremely out of balance with how a proper desk should be run. And you run into a lot of problems. And so how can I defend what I'm saying is by looking at some uh, variables that will occur if you run a desk that way over a period of time. Okay, first of all, every well will eventually dry up. And so you'll go through some cycles where you get into some serious trouble. And some people on the podcast may be new into recruiting and some may be very tenured, but think back on your own career. You'll get into times where a new person comes into that organization that you've been making lots of deals with. And that new person comes in and it totally changes your relationship. And all of a sudden they're not going to use search firms. They're not going to use recruiters, that, that whole thing. And so when we get into situations where 90% of our business is with two or three clients or four companies, if it's a very dangerous place to be, you're not setting your own desk up or your own business up for success if that is the model that you're in. Now, you can maybe have a great quarter, a great month. You might even have a great year. I'm just saying long-term, it's going to eventually catch you. It's going to catch you. And 
you have to have balance with um, the activities that are around business development, not just recruiting. And I, I think it's the most common area that I see people in our industry get out of balance on our, on our, in our work Definitely. life. Um, where they just, they, they have a lot of searches and they say, well, mentally it's a mistake, but they just say, well, I got a lot to work on. I got, I got, I got a lot of searches. Okay. So I'm totally. going to do a lot of candidate recruitment. And, um, we did talk on the first session about top grading clients. So I mean, we're rehitting a little bit of some similar ground. Um, but in the context of balance, um, I don't know that it always has to be 50, 50, um, but I do think that when you see extremely talented big biller types, I would venture to say that most of them don't get below 30% biz dev mm -hmm. at any point in time. They're always, they understand that we have two types of inventory. We've got the clients and searches. We've got the opportunities and then we've got the candidates. Yep. I mean, that's basically the two types of inventory that we deal in. They're both very important. Uh, it's important to have great candidate relationships and talented people in your network that you have relationships with. Um, but it's also critical to have lots of great client relationships, companies, and opportunities. And uh, too many times, um, people will get, it's the path of least resistance. I think it's a little easier for people to feel like I'll just talk to candidates all day. Of course it is. Um, Absolutely. If the, if I, it's funny that you use the word balance because the analogy I use often is that, you know, you've got two wheels on your bicycle. You've got the client wheel and the candidate wheel, and you need them both turning at the same time if you're going to be balanced and, and be able to like get traction on the road and and move oh, the pace you want to like if you're only focused on candidates you're really riding a unicycle which you can't accelerate up a hill on a unicycle right you might be able to stay balanced temporarily but that's an unstable uh base to be able to go fast anyway yeah and yet uh, some people on this podcast might have at some point done a like a life balance wheel yeah um i think they break it up into 10 pie pieces you're supposed to rank each one of those on a one to 10 yeah. and then you kind of fill it in and then they, they want to, they want to show you if that's a, a wheel that rolls smoothly. Right. Right. The wheel of life. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I know totally. It's the like wheel there's, of life. There's, there's different segments. So it's like career or like your business, your health, your relationships, you know, and so on, uh, fitness, your finances. Yeah. And they, and they try to say, okay, just self-diagnose yourself yeah. one to 10. And if you, if you're very realistic with yourself, you know, you're obviously never a 10 on anything yes. and you'll, you'll end up giving yourself a three on something. You might get a six on something else in some other area you might be proud of that you get an eight or a nine and what ends up happening. And then you see your wheel and you're like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm out of balance. Right. And, and January is a time, uh, which we're in now when people self-reflect, uh, it's when we say, what New Year's resolution are we going to come up with? What what are we going to do different this year to move the needle? And I mean, this area of balance, which I think has to do with a combination of sustainability, personal versus work, there's a balance there. And then if we look at it on a desk level, we've got to say, is my desk balanced? And And how can I get stronger in these areas that are out of balance. And if I focused on that for a, a, a few months to get more into balance, how could that make my, uh, my business better? How could that make uh, my year better? And the truth is it, it does make it better because um, it doesn't only help you maybe earn more money, 
that's that's the number one variable that people want to measure. And hey, I think it can help you earn more money when you have a more balanced approach to your daily activities. Not all recruiting, you have to also do business development because that's how you land better client relationships. That's how you get more retained business. That's how you get more exclusives. That's how you get more clients that have better brand reputations. Um, that's how you breathe. You actually breathe fr- uh, a, a refreshness. Uh, you bring vitality back into your adrenaline. Uh, like when you get it, think back. I want everyone to just kind of close their eyes and feel, what do I feel like when I land a new client? What do I feel like when I just landed that new account and got that new fee agreement for this new higher level search that's better than anything I currently have on my desk. Well, that search is out there. So when we go get that, when we land those new searches, it really sets off chemicals inside your body, right? Like these endorphins and you get adrenalized. And then that day, that week, you're riding on that adrenaline. You're pumped up, right? You are ready to go. When an older account calls you, it doesn't, you, you still get re you get a little bit of that, but not to the same level that you get on a new account. And part of that's the human nature to go, what could be this? This could be my next best, awesome new account that could blow it out of the water of anything else I've ever had. There's always something out there that's better than anything you've done in your career. And so when we stop chasing that, it's a bad place to be. Uh, we should always be chasing that next best client. And it just really, it, it leads to higher fees uh, better client relationships. It's a way to top grade your searches. And it's honestly a way to increase your ability to sustain this career because, you know, you have to find ways to duplicate those in, uh, endorphins that we're talking about, uh, the way that that feeds into your adrenaline glands. And um, we enjoy what we do when we're feeling like of that. Of course. When we start to feel like that's gone, that's a, that's a way to self-diagnose that this isn't sustainable. I'm out of balance. I need to realize that. I need to recognize that. And I need to say, what's a plan to get that feeling back? Well, I hate to say it, but new business development is what gets that back. Because landing new clients is awesome. Yeah, it landing reinvigorates. Landing a search that's a higher level. Yeah, if it's a search that's a higher level than you've ever done before, that, I'm telling you, that feels awesome, right? When you're, when you're going after those big whales, um, you know, and you finally get one, that's the feeling that we're all after. And then obviously you'll end up making those deals and closing those placements. That feels great. Yeah, of course, um, if you're not excited about the searches you're working on, that's going to have a negative impact on your ability to recruit on those roles, right? That's right. It comes through to the person on the other end, but just your ability to get ramped up and to say that I'm, I'm going to really, you know, go after the market and I'm going to hit it hard today. You know, it's uh, it's very tough if you don't feel excited about what you're going yeah. after. You know, so that's, that's what I would, you know, really say for folks is that it's January, the time of reflection. Think about, are you in balance? Mm. Think about the sustainability of, of executive search and recruitment for you as an industry is, am I growing? Mm-hmm. Um, am I passionate? How do I recapture that passion? How do I grow this year? And how do I get myself in balance, which will lead to more revenue. It'll lead to us feeling better about what we're doing Mm. and more excited about the career path that we're in, excited about the clients that we're working with. 
Um, you know, and just to kind of self-diagnose where am I a little bit out of balance and how do I get back to where I need to be? You know, and for folks that are really tenured as well, you can even think back, hearken back to your first year or two and how excited you were and what led to your success. And you go back to the basics and you recapture what it is that led to that success. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, it's really interesting that you're <clears throat> talking so much about growth. That's actually one of my top personal values. And it's also one of our top business values here at Recruitment Coach, because uh, we've done the exercise for, for both. And they're not identical, but there's there's obviously some overlap. But growth is a, is a, is something that appears on both of those uh, both of those lists. Um, Jeremy, I'm curious if you don't mind sharing what's going on in your world that is causing you to be focused on creating balance or to be reflecting on this theme in, in 2023. Yeah, it, it was listening to some trainings and listening to mentors and people speak in the last two to three months. You know, I love to learn also. And so just in the course of learning, people will get onto a subject matter that's similar but different to this. And then when I'm, and I like to hear training, coaching and mentoring from people outside of our industry, mm -hmm. and then I'll apply it to our industry. Um, but I've, I've been, you know, just listening to some other people talking uh, about, um, uh, the power of positive thinking, uh, self-talk. And again, I coach diving, uh, three or four nights a week, every week. I mean, we're in our season. I do this in the evenings with high school kids, uh, that want to dive in college later on. And, you know, and so, yeah, I was just like thinking about the parallels, uh, between what I do with athletic coaching and how that applies you know, to the coaching that, that, that I sometimes do with uh, recruiters. Amazing. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm involved in the pinnacle society, as you know, and, um, I'm getting back re-involved, uh, on the board again this year. Um, I had been on the board before and went off the board and I'm now back on the board for pinnacle society and, and I'm going to do uh, some speaking, uh, in March. And so I always like to say, what can I speak about that gives it a different twist you know, I, I've already done this for a couple of years and I have my, the things that everybody already knows I've said, but I'm like, how can I get into a new topic and kind of, you know, bring something fresh and new to the market? Fantastic. So that's what's All right. like that. There's a few yeah. things I wanted to circle back to there, but just starting with the last point you made, uh, I've really valued and, and appreciated my relationship with many pinnacle society members, um, including Gail Audibert, who, you know, we, we know in common. And uh, she's just a huge, like, force of nature, like so much positive energy. Um, but I'm curious, you're speaking at Pinnacle, because I've been asked to speak at the Pinnacle meeting in San Diego in San April. San Diego, I'm going to see you. I will be there. Awesome. Yes. All right. Great. That's going to be amazing to be able to meet you in person. Yeah, uh, after we've gotten to know each other over over Zoom a couple of times here, um, I'm so two things I wanted to ask you. One is you said you mentioned that you like to listen to a lot of speakers and trainers, both in as well as outside of the recruiting industry. Outside of recruitment, who are the speakers you're listening to currently that are really um, resonating for you? Yeah, um, well, Harry Shook. Uh, Kerry Shook is a pastor okay. actually. Um, but he speaks a lot on, uh, 
some of the stuff that we were talking about, uh, uh, about positive thought. How do you and, spell shook? You know, where you're thinking. S-H-O-O-K. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, K-E-R-R-Y. Yeah. And then, um, and he's, he's globally known, okay. so he's a really well-known guy. Um, and then also um, Tony Robbins. Definitely. I've been to yeah. multiple Tony Robbins events, including I've gone in person with my friend Jordan Rayboy. We've, we've gone to two or three Tony Robbins together. Oh, cool. Um, and Chris Hillman, who's in Pinnacle, has gone to Tony Robbins with us as well. Um, and so, um, yeah, I'll listen to, uh, you know, people on uh, TikTok and I'll listen to people on uh, YouTube videos. And I mean, I, I'm just out there seeking great content, yes. you know, on how to get energized, how to, how to get my mind right, how to focus and, you know, all those things. And I find that it's human nature that a lot of times we know something. We're like, oh, we know that. I know that. But just because we know it doesn't mean we're living it, right? It doesn't mean that it's our reality or that we're executing upon those things that we know. And so you have to constantly remind yourself. And it's like a battle. It's a mind battle, right? Like you're in, you're battling the negative thoughts with the oh, positive thoughts. Absolutely. You're, you're, it's all of us it's are, like you know, going to the gym. You can't work out once and then go, okay, I'm good now. I don't have to go back to the gym. It's, you know, right. constant reconditioning yourself, right? Yeah. Replenishment and, and, and being balanced and, and, and we constantly get out of balance and we have to get back in balance. You know, you think about the person walking on the tightrope, right? And they, they are, they're constantly making adjustments to their balance or they will get out of balance. And so, and nothing, uh, nothing remains static. You know, we, nothing remains still. It's like, uh, we're constantly moving. And so because of that, we're always having to make adjustments, uh, within our business, within our desk and within our daily lives. And, um, when, if you seek out wise counsel, if you, um, take some time, on a daily or weekly basis to step back and set and analyze it's self-reflection, right? But th there's people that go weeks or months without self-reflection, right? And so you have to step back and go, what am I doing right? What could I be doing better? Where am I out of balance? And then you have to make those adjustments, right? To get back into balance. But I think the people that just have that self-recognition are likely to do it. Uh, and if, if you are listening to stuff that gets your mind right, it's like um, the stuff that we listen to and hear and watch and uh, we are, that's our diet. Mm. We're taking that food in and think about it. Are you taking just a bunch of crap in like fast food? Then you're going to feel like crap um, or what you're taking in. That's your diet. And so I say people think about sometimes their diet when it comes to food and drink, but we need to think about the diet of what we're absorbing when it comes to our news, uh, what we're listening to, who we're hearing to, who we're hearing from, who we're being mentored by, who do we respect? And, you know, what does our daily diet look like and our weekly diet look like just in, you know, the information we're absorbing? Definitely. Because yeah, like if you change that up, you're going to feel a lot better. <laughs> I, uh, I'm very... Um, my news consumption is very minimal. Like I obviously I want to know what's going on in the world and not be like a hermit who's cut off and doesn't know anything. But at the same time, I, I want, I'm very aware of not getting sucked into the sensationalization and the kind of bad news that the mainstream media thrives on. So I really try and 
you know, it's, it is like fast food. It's okay once in a while, but you don't want to eat a McDonald's every day. So, uh, yeah, that's totally right. And, uh, you know, we all slip off the old wagon and get the Big Mac, but, um, you know, you just got to realize that if you do that three times a day for six months in a row, you're probably going to have a heart attack. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, man, uh, I love it, you know, so I, I hope uh, that, that this has, you know, been a, a good and timely call for a lot of folks out there um, because, you know, when you, you know, the best days that I've ever had, the best weeks, the best months have always been, you know, it always starts with having your mind right. Um, and, and then, you know, when you start the day off right, and then you're just, you're ready to have a killer day, a killer week. And, uh, you know, obviously there's got to be some meat to that recipe as well. Um, so it doesn't happen only with the mind, but I think it starts there. It does. You know, exactly. Sure. You have to follow through and take action. This episode is brought to you by Recruitment Entrepreneur. Recruitment Entrepreneur are the number one investor in startup and scale-up recruitment businesses globally. They've now launched in the USA and are looking to partner with experienced recruiters who are ready to build something for themselves. Founded by James Kahn, they've already invested in 45 businesses. When I interviewed James in episode 123, he shared a case study of how they helped a recruiter to start, scale, and sell his recruitment company for $12 million in five years. That company is called Walter James and they were acquired by ZRG. Could you be their next success story? To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them that you were referred by me, Mark Whitby at the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. So Jeremy, I want to switch gears here slightly and circle back to um, the issue of onboarding team members. And you mentioned Jazz, who's just joined your team in Detroit. And I was curious as to how you're getting her set up for success remotely. Could you describe how that's working? So at the very beginning, she came in and spent uh, four days with us and did some immersion training in person. So that was great. After that, it was all virtual and remote. And I did as many um, three-way calls and we, we mainly use Google Meet, which is like Zoom. Um, but I would have me, her, and a client be on the call. I would have me, her, and some candidates be on the call. Um, I did a lot of three-way meetings because I, I really fear when people are remote that they might not pick up on osmosis training that those of us used to get when we started working in a cube land with other recruiters. We would hear totally. what other people sounded like and learn from that. And so I really lean on technology and try to do as many three-way calls. We do a lot of team calls that way too. Um, but that way it gives us multiple daily interactions together. And she can sometimes hear what I sound like when I'm talking to clients and candidates. Um, then I'll also, you know, take off the training wheels a little bit and let them do some of their own calls. Um, but so she would do her, like a first call with candidates on recruiting. But then if, if she found candidates that we felt really good about, 
then we would schedule a second call and I would be on the second call with them um, just to re-go back over anything that she might have missed. And I think your first six months of training is really important if you don't even come from the recruiting industry and, and Jazz did not. So I wanted her to, to really have that chance to learn from others that have been doing it for more years. All right. Awesome. So first four days was in office with you uh, and the team. And then, and what did you focus on during those, those initial four days? Well, I think um, we try to chew it up into bites, sizes that they can really digest. And so mm -hmm. um, for us, I wanted her to focus mostly on client development for the first month. And so we just made all the trainings about that how to do outreach, what's the history of our company, you know, why aren't, what's our go-to-market strategy, uh, why do we feel like we're unique, different, and better, how do we win business, and why would companies want to work with us instead of someone else? So how do we share that message um, and strategies on how to do client development, how to, you know, contact companies that don't know us, how to do research and find companies that have the types of openings that we want to work on, that kind of thing, how to how to use tools and resources. Uh, so we, we use, um, you know, LinkedIn Recruiter Pro. We use Hinterview, which is based there in London, England. Um, and then, uh, you know, so how to use our tools, how to use our resources, how to, you know, I think we have to be great researchers in recruiting. And so how do, how do we do our research to find out the key contacts and their emails and how do we reach out? All right. Awesome. So, and are, are you getting her focused on, is it a 360 model or are you getting her focused on client development um, first? Well, or? we do contract staffing. We do some contingency work and we do executive retained and she really wants to do executive retained. So we're mm -hmm. focusing on how to get director VP and C level searches and mm -hmm. how do you, how do you price it? Um, and uh, it, it includes taking some high-level people to market. So we take mm -hmm. MPCs to market that are director and VP level. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you know, how do we sell executive retain and how do we package the pricing behind that? Um, and how do we package the shortlist? She's very good. Uh, I really, I like to look at people's pros and strengths. And sometimes they have pros that are way better than me. Um, Jazz is very good at uh, packaging the shortlist and she came in and helped us redesign um, what it looks like when we put a shortlist in front of a client. And now it looks much more modern and uh, I think it looks a lot better than the way I had cool. been doing it. So I think that's one thing as a leader is to say, where are people stronger in some areas than, than, than I am or than our company? Yeah. And really leverage where people are super strong because there's, some, there's so many talented people out there and what they bring yes. to the table could be a little different than what you, what you bring. Absolutely. Yeah. So you did the four days initial in, in person, and then you're doing multiple three-way meetings. Uh, so she gets to hear you and vice versa and, and achieve that sort of osmosis training that you get if you're sitting beside somebody. Um, what are the other touch points or how else to ensure that she's connected? She feels part of something that she's not like isolated and, and, and sort of floundering. How do you make sure that, you know, she is developing the skills, but also, you know, really is embedded into the culture? Well, we try our best with uh, weekly meetings, weekly team meetings. We have one-on-ones and team. And then yeah. um, celebrating the small successes, I think, is super key um, for a new hire 
to realize that getting a new fee agreement, just getting a call scheduled with a company that wants to talk to us, those are wins, right? That's like getting someone on base. It's not like a home run, but you're getting people on base. Getting interviews, celebrate the fact that you're getting interviews, celebrate the fact that uh, one of your phone interviews went really good and now it's moving to the the in-person interview. Celebrate those steps because those are the steps that lead to a placement, right? And then ultimately, hopefully, you're celebrating an actual placement also. And Jazz was able to uh, get her first VP of HR. She did a VP level placement uh, in her second month. So that was great. Um, it's very, I always want to get people their, uh, their first win as soon as possible, whether it's a month, whether it's two months, whether it's maybe three months. But I mean, I, I, as soon as possible, I want to work with urgency to help them get their first win. I think right. that really sets up success. It, le- it reinforces that this is a business for me. It reinforces that I can do this. And then they can take that positive energy and then they can double down and even have an even better month or quarter. Uh, but man, when you don't get that first deal, you know, I very much worry about people as they get into the third month. Okay. Ooh, are, are, are the indicators there that we're about to close a deal, hopefully. Um, and we set up roadmaps for new hires where they know what, 30, 60, 90 days hopefully will look like so that they get some benchmarks to know that I'm doing the things that are going to lead to my success or I'm kind of falling short and I might be in trouble here. I'd like to know about that roadmap uh, in a second. But so you're doing weekly one-to-one meetings, you're doing a weekly team meeting, and those are both over Google, Google Meet, right? Yeah. And then you're celebrating the wins, which I 100% believe in. How do you do that? Is that a Slack channel? Is it like a chat or is it like over the phone? Yeah, a, What's the do a team Google chat? Yeah. We're constantly yeah. going back and forth every day. It's like a daily, it's an every hour. Someone's dropping a little note, you know? Yeah. So, and some of that has the fun little GIF files and the fun little, yeah. yeah, fun with it. Everyone's getting to know each other. And, uh, you know, we're celebrating when someone hopefully gets an offer close, gets a, a deal or, you know, or at least the interview went well or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. And um, I mean, we're, we're a hundred percent remote as well, but we're not, I'm not training Train. new recruiters. I've uh, my colleague, Leanne is already extremely experienced and we've got two team members in the Philippines. Um, and uh, so I'm just really curious, like we use Slack for, for doing that, this kind of ongoing, you know, communication. Um, what does your roadmap look like to help the person know whether or not they're on track for yeah, that first yeah. 90 days? Basically, um, I, in month one, we focus on activity. Uh, so we focus on uh, just number of reach outs, uh, number of scheduled calls. You know, we just focus on activity. Um, we, I don't think we ever stop looking at activity, but the focus is activity in month one. In month two, uh, we are looking at number of candidates presented, uh, number of first interviews, number of second interviews, um, and again, number of scheduled calls. And we start looking at if they're doing business development, uh, number of fee agreements, okay? We would like to see people be able to get two fee agreements a month. Mm-hmm. If they get more than that, awesome, you know? Um, we would like for people to be able to, we have, it's called Five Alive, 10 in Process. Um, five alive means that we want you to have five people interviewing at all times. The minute that they interview and the client says, no, nah, we're not moving forward with them. They're, they're no longer alive. 
um, the, the ones that are alive have to be currently interviewing and they are under consideration. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's a phone interview or in person, I want five people interviewing. Now, 10 in process includes the five that are interviewing plus an additional five that we recently presented to the client, but we just don't have feedback yet. I just presented them this morning. I presented them yesterday, presented them two days ago. I'm trying to get feedback. I'm trying to schedule an interview. And so 10 in process includes those interviewing, but it also includes those that were very recently presented uh, that you're hoping to get feedback on and get an interview on. And um, that's our, those are our activity goals is I, I tell people in their first month, they probably can't have five alive, 10 in process, <clears throat> but after they hit month two and three, that's where they want to get to. And once they get there, the whole goal is to try to stay there. And so, cause it's, it's moving every day. Every time someone interviews and they're not a fit, they're, they're now done. So you're trying to schedule, hopefully uh, three to five interviews a week uh, is the goal. And, and in order to do that, you have to present five to eight people per week because not everyone you present gets an interview. You know, some people have to present two or three people to get one interview. And, but if someone can get three interviews a week, that's 12 interviews a month. That is the general metric we use to define success. 12 interviews usually could get to an offer, 12 to one. And that's about yeah. where some recruiters that are more tenured are better at their matching skills. So they might have a better ratio than that. The better the client is, the better the search is. Those things can impact those ratios. But a lot of recruiters are somewhere between 10 to 1 or 15 to 1 on interview yeah. to offer. Fantastic. That's really interesting to hear the breakdown of the metrics. And so is that the kind of... Go, the, so the ultimate objective is what one offer per month or more. Yeah. So one minimum, you know, and I always yeah. kind of share with people, look, these are like minimum goals, right? Yes. Minimum goals to, to predict success. And yes. so, you know, you want to do more than the minimum if you really mm. want to guarantee your success, because right. it's like flipping a coin, you know, you could just have a good month here and there, and you might have a bad month here and there if you're hitting the right. minimums. I do think if someone hits those minimums, they won't fail in our business. They'll at least yes. make, they, they will knock some deals down, but yes. they might be average, right? Yes. Um, if you want to be above average, then you want to do better than those numbers. You know, the people that can present two to three people per day mm. uh, and, and have good clients and good searches and be pretty good at their matching skills are going to sometimes make two to three to four placements in a month. You know, and those are yes. the ones that end up becoming the big pillars, you know, when you get a right. Every month doesn't have to be a big month. I think what some of my best years looked like, Mark, was I would have um, one month out of every quarter, I would bill 80 to 100. And then a lot of those other months, I would at least do one to two deals every month. And so a, a bad month was 30K. That was one deal. But I didn't have very many blanks. That, yeah. that was a great year for me as I would reduce, I would have no blanks. I was consistent. And then every once in a while, I'd have a big month. And so if you have three big months out of 12 and have no blanks, you can, you can be a big biller. That's a, what a lot of big biller years look like. They, they aren't out there. Most of them aren't doing 200 a month. They have a few big months, but they don't have a whole lot of blanks, I think is what I, and I have a lot of friends that are you know, so-called big billers and that's what they, 
their years oftentimes look like that. Fantastic. That's brilliant insight. Jeremy, uh, another awesome episode. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Jeremy. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you in April. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.